Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I have my boy in the place to be, J.O., joining me here for another installment of The Vault. want to thank all the fans out there, stateside and worldwide, for continuing to support the show. Guys, thanks for sticking with us. As always, we remind you to go to our website, it's vaultclassicpod.com. Once again, that's vaultclassicpod.com. You can go there to get all of our past episodes. You can see our guest profiles. You can also go to our merchandise store, making sure you're going to the merch store to pick out any hoodies, long sleeve tees, sweaters, winter is fast approaching. We want to make sure that you guys have all the gear that you need in order to be equipped for winter while you're representing the vault as well and supporting the show. And make sure you go to the website to get all of the social media handles to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Once again, that's vaultclassicpod.com. Go there, check out the website, and of course, also our Buy Me A Coffee page to support us by dropping a monetary donation to make sure that we can keep the vault open for many years to come. As we always like to say here on the vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics or NBTC. And today, Jay, we keep the run going for 1993. And this one that we talk about here today, truly, out of all the ones we've mentioned from 93, which have had some exceptional albums, is quite possibly the biggest one. And I don't say that as a matter of hyperbole. I don't even say that as a matter of personally hyping this up. I say this as a matter of fact. (laughs) And when the smoke cleared after the first week of this album coming out, the numbers showed that this was the most highly anticipated album at that point in hip-hop history. And you could also make the argument that it is the most anticipated album in hip-hop history. And we're going to talk about none other than this one. The debut studio album of none other than Snoop Doggy Dogg himself, Doggy Style, released on November 23rd, 1993 on Death Row and Interscope Records, recorded in 1993 at a number of different studios in Los Angeles, the Village Studios, Complex Studios, Larrabee North and Larrabee West Studios in North and West Hollywood, respectively. With a runtime of 54 minutes and 44 seconds, produced none other than Dr. Dre, with the singles from Doggy Style. The first one, actually being Who Am I, What's My Name, released November 11th, 1993. The classic Gin and Juice, released January 18th, 1994. And Doggy Dog World, released on May 14th, 1994. Now, Snoop recorded Doggy Style fresh off of the heels of the release and the success of Dr. Dre's debut album, The Chronic, which came out almost a year prior to it. And what The Chronic did was set the table for Snoop to come out and release his solo album as he was featured on many of the tracks on The Chronic. And what this did was create a buzz around Snoop that we had never seen before. Snoop, heading into 1992 and 1993, was one of the more highly anticipated solo artists in the game that everyone wanted to see what he can do on a project all by himself. Not even to mention that it was being produced by Dr. Dre, Jay. And what we all wanted to hear what that was going to sound like. But beyond all of that, in the background of Doggy Style was the development of Death Row as a record label and how they would come to dominate the next couple of years in the record industry and also the supporting cast behind them. You had 
the Dog Pound with Corrupting Daz. You had Lady of Rage. You had Warren G. You also had, in the background, working sort of as a mentor creatively and also helping with writing in a lot of cases, none other than the great DOC. So you had a perfect storm and confluence of influences into this release of Doggy Style, which would become one of the biggest releases in the history of hip-hop. And then by the time that the first week was over, it definitely was one of the biggest releases in hip-hop. And when I'm telling you that we talk about cultural phenomenons with these classic albums that we review, sometimes it is hyperbole, and sometimes it is a revisionist history when we talk about it being a cultural phenomenon. But we mentioned another album earlier this year with Wu-Tang's Into the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers, how the Wu-Tang movement became a cultural phenomenon Well, this was a separate one, not even a couple of weeks after that album came out. And it was big because it reached everywhere. Almost to every corner of American life that you can think about that loved or touched hip-hop was affected by Doggy Style and the different things that came out of this, Jay. We talk about the slang references that came out of this album. (laughs) The phrases that we took out of this album that we talk about 30 years later, you could start and somebody could finish it for you as you're starting that phrase, the bars, the classic bars that have come out of this. So when we talk about cultural phenomenons, yes, it is a big reason why we say that Death Row started its chart to the top and stayed a, a, as a part of it. And when you look at those classic Death Row releases, you can look at Doggy Style and say, arguably, it had the biggest impact or one of the biggest impacts of the releases along with the chronic for that record label and the reason why it was so big for the relatively short period of time that it was on top of the game, but an impactful run at the top of the game. And now we're going to go ahead and get into it. First thoughts and reflections. So, Jay, I'm actually glad to have you on here with this one now. Um, As I always like to say, you are my resident West Coast rap. When it comes to 90s West Coast rap expert, I know that you (laughs) dug West Coast rap a lot. Um, Your knowledge of West Coast hip-hop and a lot of things is definitely exceeds mine in a lot of areas. And I know you was pumping with this joint back in the day, man. But give everybody out there who may not know what your take was on this album when it first came out. And give us a little idea of the your anticipation about it coming out. Because I think everyone's story about anticipating it come out is different. And just give us an idea of your anticipation, when you got it, what the expectation ended up being as a result of that. And then now, 30 years later, what your perspective of it is, even after all these years. Oh yeah, for sure. It's like I, I, I never forget it, man. Christmas nineteen ninety three. Okay, you know, yeah. what I'm saying like um, wow, gotta, yeah, like I just turned twelve that past, that previous August, so like yeah, I never forget like you know what I'm saying it was like one of the moments I snuck. I don't want to say snuck, but like snuck in the bag, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying to see my Christmas gift. It was that I, I never forget, it was that cassette. Yeah, show my age, I know. Yeah, so it was that train and then, um, <laughs> <laughs> yes sir. And, um, and that DRS train, you remember the Gangsta Lean R&B train? Dirty Rodden Scoundrels. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I, so I kind of had to put on a little bit of a show. Like, I was surprised I was getting them drinks. You know, I was like, new, like, okay, they ain't getting this in the house for nobody else. Yeah. As far as the anticipation about that drink, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, I want to say the single was out, who, uh, who Am I, What's My Name? Mm-hmm. And, of course, like, the chronic was still pretty hot around that time. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, yeah. like, it's the residual effects of it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the controversy with everything going on with Snoop, I, th- I want to say it was around the tri- time of his murder trial and everything like that. And then, um, yeah. of course, 
take it back to Arsenio, you know what I'm saying? Like him being on Arsenio. Mm-hmm. And then that was also the time those he was, they was beefing, they were still beefing with Rufus and Easy E and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember Snoop went on there and dropped that freestyle, still dissing Easy and the CPT. I'm like, oh shit. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, you know what I'm saying? To hear that album coming out, I'm like, okay, you got a powerhouse behind this joint, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, Death Row, they definitely got something to say. And mm-hmm. we already got a whiff of like the whole G Funk. And then I wasn't as versed as far as DOC. I mean, at least to where I say now, like, you know what I'm saying? Because I was regarded as like being the greatest living tragedy in hip hop. I oh, always yeah. say that. Absolutely. Like, it's, yeah. It's it's like really a shame. It's like, dang, I mean, I thank the Lord he's still with us. Yeah, man. After the accident. But like, because mm-hmm. honestly, I think he'd have been up there with Snoop as far as like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. As popularity. Like, I mean, because of course he, he would have time, like, you know what I'm saying? Evolve his flow and mm-hmm. get them G Funk beats behind. Because he, he didn't get the chance to experience G Funk because yeah. that actually happened before, like, I want to say before Niggas for Life, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I want to say 89. The West Coast they had the game in the chokehold because it wasn't just Death Row, it was Ice Cube too. Like today mm-hmm. was a good day. It check yeah. yourself. Yeah. So Snoop with that voice, man. Like and then when the joint came out, it exceeded my expectations. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like I stayed with that joint in my walk, man. Like going to school and coming home on the train from school. Like, yeah. And you know what I'm saying? Just like everybody was up there quoting that joint and singing along Gin and Juice and Doggy Dog mm-hmm. World and everything like that. And yeah. I mean, it just really set the tone for that time going into like early 1994. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, but um, listen. Thirty years later, man. Like, I'm not gonna say the chronic was. I'm not gonna say it was like less than the chronic because I mean it had its own lane as far as cultural impact. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? As far as like being a superstar, but I would say the chronic had more of an impact because they really like ushering in, really ushering G Funk and like Death Row. Mm-hmm. As far as like you know, but then like Snoop, him having that independent hype as an artist. I mean, I might be reaching, but I mean, I probably say it was like up there with Michael Jackson and Thriller to a degree. Mm, wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, obviously nothing's going to top Thriller. Don't get me wrong. Don't mm. come for me in the comments, but like, yeah. I can't think of any artists since then that had like that le- like anything close to that level of hype, at least at least within hip hop. Yeah. I actually been back back a little bit, like you know what I'm saying, like past going back to MC Hammer, because like I will I will say he was like the Michael Jackson rap for at least two years. Mm, yeah. So like for so for somebody like straight hip hop and like, like that, I mean, Snoop carved his own lane. So I mean, and that's all we look at him as like, look at him as being like one of the legends today. I mean, mm-hmm. children may out there may not know, but like ninety two through ninety five, the premier artist was Snoop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. the biggest star in hip-hop was Snoop. Nothing against Woo, nothing against Big, you know what I'm saying, anybody else. But, like, Snoop's name was everywhere. Yeah. No, I, I definitely have to agree with you on that. And having been present in the moment and being at the right age when, really, you start to develop as fans of a lot of these artists, being, like, 12, 13 years old. At that point, when Doggy Style came out, I was 11 getting ready to turn 12. Mm-hmm. And you knew the anticipation was big because Snoop was everywhere. He was mm-hmm. on Arsenio. Mm-hmm. He was on MTV. Mm-hmm. Yo, MTV Raps. He was on BET and Rap City. You saw him get interviewed on there. You saw him in St. Ives commercials, even though he wasn't even legally able to drink yet. You know, <laughs> you saw him featured on so many different people's projects. And then you saw him in the backdrop of a lot of different other artists that were also getting ready to release on Death Row that were part of the Death Row family. He was big. I mean, we talk about how big Snoop was. It was sort of like when you see Snoop now, especially in the aughts, I would say the 2000s, and you see him beside Martha Stewart and you see him hosting programs on NBC. The reason why he made it to that point in the first place is because he got to the entry point was so large that by the time he entered the game, it was almost like he had a 100-meter running start in a 400-meter race. He was so far ahead when it came to hype because 
it started with deep cover for a lot of us, right? And then right. it moved and progressed even more and more from that. And when you think it couldn't get any higher than that, it did. So my personal reflection on it, when it came out, I remember when it, the release date was coming up, like you knew that you wanted to get a piece of doggy style when it eventually got out. Right. Mm -hmm. And you knew that everybody was going to be gunning to go get it. Now that tape did not occupy anywhere in my household for a good little while, because I think for the most part, my parents didn't like hip hop, but mm -hmm. hip hop itself and rap at that time was bad enough. What was coming out, what was on Snoop's tape is according to my parents' generation was blasphemy. Right. <laughs> And this is the reason why we talk about rap music being vulgar and it being obscene. Doggy style and especially death row stuff took it to the next level. That was the stuff our parents really didn't like. It wasn't just the music and the content of the music. It was what they were talking about. It was right. unprotected sex. It was using drugs. It was underage drinking. It was partying. It was gangsters killing and 187 with a dick in your mouth and all that shit. That's what well, the hell they didn't well, like. <laughs> well, well, we'll say though, man, Snoop did like, you know what I'm saying, rock some con like a rock and and Jenny Juice video. And, yeah. um, so at least he had like the safe sex in, in that, but like- um, Indeed, yeah, indeed, yeah. He did have the condoms. <laughs> but even but even our parents didn't even want us entertaining that idea at a certain age, right? <laughs> oh, I, I just thought about something too. <laughs> like, um, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you remember this. So my mother might've regretted her decision. Like, <laughs> remember the little, remember, nah, remember the little, nah, remember the little comic book that was in that joint? Yeah, I remember, <laughs> yes. 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 Oh man. I was like, shit. <laughs> Bruh. And he had talked about it on Arsenio too, but like mm -hmm. I think his cousin Drew or something like that. But yeah, like man. Look yeah. at that child. I was like, without my 12 year old, nah, like, you know, yeah. so I regret this, but exactly. I'm not gonna say nothing. Shoot. Yeah. So I ended up getting the album through one of my homeboys, obviously, at mm -hmm. school. You know, you get a dub. And I got a dub of the joint and went home and listened to it and always listened to it with my headphones on. This was never going to be something that was going to be played out loud in my house, in my parents' house. Like, no way. Not even mine. And mm. even when we were at school, right, even though we would quote the lines to each other, it was one of those things we kind of always kind of looked around a little bit before you said something because <laughs> this was like the forbidden fruit, right? Saying things from doggy style could get you in trouble at school, right? It got you in school suspension. It got you in the classroom during recess or during PE. You couldn't do nothing. It got you suspended sometimes from school. I know somebody who stood up on the lunch table and said something. One of the lines of them, I think it was something about, we don't love them hoes, I'm out the dough. And he got suspended from school for that shit, right? And all the things about, you know, even the one with the, I want to grow up to be a motherfucking hustler. <laughs> and so that was like the forbidden fruit. Shit that you knew you wasn't supposed to say and be listening to. That's mm -hmm. what doggy style was, but we wanted that to be a part of it because the shit seemed so goddamn cool, right? Snoop was so big, and everybody wanted to hear what the fuck he had to say. And as far as the anticipation of it, everybody was talking about it. When you got out there and people started reviewing the album, they're just like, yo, this shit is incredible. It's better than anything that I even would have expected from him. And then when you get inside of the tracks and start listening to it, and start listening to like the production and listening to Snoop's bars, just that lazy flow, you know what I'm saying? That seems so effortless at times and it just all kind of fit together. Then you add in all the elements of it, the smoking culture and gangsters and West Coast and partying, mm -hmm. it just all made sense. Then you add the intrigue of it, Jay, the fact that he was going through a murder trial, the fact right. that that played into the whole aspect of it. So that adds to the backdrop of 
Snoop's popularity and his mythology as well, because that helps to raise the hype. Again, the hype machine builds off of that. And years later, I really didn't understand and fully grasp what the impact of Doggy Style was when I started noticing how many people were quoting Snoop's lines from it years later. I mean, I'm sitting there and going through like different songs and artists, and I'm like listening to Doggy Style again, and I'm reminded how many people afterwards had quoted Snoop's from Hooks from bars that he did and i'm just like yo the influence of this shit is huge bruh like there's not many albums you could maybe grab a couple of handful of albums throughout the tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of competent rap albums that have come out to see how many folks quote that album as much as his was and to see just how big it's become now the fact that it's 30 years afterwards and we're still talking about it and you could see and here's people excitement about recalling what their excitement was about doggy style coming out. And then to know that it exceeded all the hype that came, that that came out. Cause we've had a lot of like projects that have been very highly anticipated. Very rarely do they live up to all of the hype though. And the thing that was rare about doggy styles, it delivered on all of the hype. And what it did was set the table for Snoop to have a career. That's now 30 years later, not just based in hip hop, but based in pop culture. I mean, everybody knows who Snoop is. As a matter of fact, my parents are aware of seeing Snoop, and when they see him now, it's almost like they don't even think about shit like Doggy Style. They think about all the other shit that Snoop does that they recognize him from, the commercials, the TV shows, and everything else. The fact that he went from being, at one point in time, I would say, from Parents of America being one of the most reviled artists in the, in the game to being now almost, I want to say, universally beloved i would say you know i mean i think it's fair i mean i think most people look at snoop and be like oh man that's snoop you know he he's harmless you know so you know and he's always good for a good laugh and entertaining that to me speaks volumes how you can take your character from one base to the next from one extreme to the next and doggy style helped to set it all considering the fact of where he is now in the game man so i, I think it's incredible highlights and lowlights so, Jay, your highlights and lowlights from Doggy Style, what are they? I mean, of course, the singles, Gin and Juice, Who Am I, What's My Name, Doggy Dog World. Like, I mean, and, and I made the cut the journey short, like in the video, because Corrupt just really went off on that shit as far as Doggy Dog World. Just want to mm. interject that in there. Oh, yeah. Yes, um, absolutely. Other highlights, I mean, like Lottie Dottie, that's like one of the weirdest beats I ever heard, but I love that. I love that Slick Rick cover. Like, I mean, just mm-hmm. that just don't repeat with me. Um, oh, yeah. Murder Was the Case. Definitely pump pump. Mm-hmm. I just, I think that's it. The shit isn't. I don't think I did, but um, mm, this isn't it. Yeah. Oh, of course, ain't no fun. Like just a few of my highlights. Surprisingly enough, I actually do have like was something that can be classified as a low light. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, please don't send threatening letters my way. But and it wasn't. I'm not saying in the sense it was whack, but mm. I feel like if they put it like this, if they remastered this joint and left this one track off, I wouldn't feel no type of way about it. Mm-hmm. I could have done without G's and Hustlers. Mm, okay. Just just keeping it in the buck. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying it was whack. Yeah. It just didn't, it just didn't hit for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, now yeah. I I I think you're not the only person I've heard say that. Oh, really? No, I've heard other people say the same. It's like, yo, if there is a weak point on this album, they I think I've heard a couple people say that G's and Hustlers is probably one of them. So I was ready to stand alone. I got a legion behind me. Okay. No. Yeah. It's, it's some people that I've heard that have said that, man. Definitely. They was ready to burn me to stake on Facebook when I said it one time. Oh. Matter of fact, I was doing a versus battle. Oh, during the versus. Yeah. I was like, like, man, I'm reporting this. I'm like, I'm sorry. I've be, I tried since like 93 to really give it a chance. It just, it's just not hitting for, for you. Hit yeah. for you. I understand. Yeah. Well, 
man. So my highlights. I mean, obviously, Gin and Juice. I mean, come on, bro. Like these are one of those songs you hear the intro of that just the. I don't even think we've is at the beginning of the song. Is that a forty being poured, or is that somebody pissing in the toilet? I say pissing <laughs> in the toilet, right? So whenever that comes up, and then that do 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 like. Like, just go ahead and cancel Christmas, bro. Like, turn the lights off in this bitch. Facts. Like, and to have those opening bars, that hook. I mean, Jen and Juice, to me, I stay is still in within his top five to ten of songs all time. Easy. 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 And then to get into, like, Doggy Dog World with the dramatics. I mean, <laughs> man. And then that, that feature with the dog pound with Daz and, like you said, Corrupt going, man, going off, bro. Like, Snapped on that joint. Snapped boy. on that joint. Speaking of which, Corrupt snapped on a couple of joints on here, actually. And um, that'll go into my further point when I talk about, you know, this how this album set things up. Murder was the case, obviously, to me, visually, one of Snoop's best songs. And to do it at the beginning of his career and then also take that and sort of make that a part of this whole mystique, the fact that he actually was facing a murder charge during that time, right? Mm -hmm. So you go and talk about, like, it just extends the mythology of this even further, the fact that this song was on this album. Um, The Shiznit is actually one of my favorite low-key joints on here. Love that bass line on The Shiznit. And, oh, yeah. You know, doing doing his thing. Serial Killer with Dog Pound and RBX. Uh, <laughs> What's My Name as well. I mean, to me, I actually saw somebody say that they thought that I was... One of the weaker joints on the album, you know what I'm saying? Because it was it was my name joint. Yeah, because oh, it was because wow. it was such an obvious pull from George Clinton's Atomic Dog, and so I was like, yeah, well, that's what they did. This album is pretty much super yes. super fly and that's funkadelic G-Funk <laughs> and funkadelic inspired. That's G Funk for you, you know what I'm saying? Ain't no fun. I mean, come on, dog. The fact that you know, easy dick. And <laughs> Jack, balls, Jack off off Valve E. W balls. W balls. <laughs> with Nate with Nate Dog with the man. Come on, dog. It's wow. And then you capture that and then have Corrupt come off and right after Nate Dog finishes singing and then Snoop with his verse. And then you're introduced into Warren G. And then Warren G gives you that last verse that sets everything off. And then the hook, how could you not like the hook on Ain't No Fun? <laughs> you know? <laughs> One of the great hooks on this, and there are plenty. <laughs> One of the great hooks on this album, and there's plenty of them on here. Other highlights that I love: Lottie Dottie, like you mentioned, uh, the cover with Slick Rick, and I love the fact how he gave a shout out to Rick before he did it, and mm-hmm. that was important because as I read an article back then, like some folks would have considered that biting, but it's like he literally just did a cover of it and didn't really change much of it, other than the fact that. It, his own word, his words were being changed, right? He changed right. the words of it, but did a cover of the original Lottie Dottie, which was done by the ruler so effortlessly in the 80s, man. But really creative. And I love the fact that he did that. I uh, loved Lady of Rage and her contributions on here as well. I always kind of thought that I wish we would have had more from her, from that, you I know, and, and I thought the potential was there for her to have a couple of really, really strong LPs along the way. But her contributions on here are definitely noted. The production on here over, overall is a highlight. I mean, Dre did his thing, even though, yeah, we've heard some stories, of course, that some of this has been ghost produced by Daz, in I'm, his I'm words. i on that. You know? But <laughs> what is your take on that, man? What What is your take on the fact that this claim has been made that Daz ghost produced most of Doggy Style? Oh, my take on it, Dre? Yeah, um, what's your take on that? I think it might be some validity to it. Not not trying to piss off any gatekeepers and anything like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, because I've even heard a story from Daz about that, like, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Dre changing one thing and like taking the credit from the dream. Plus, even Tupac was on record as far as like saying like mm-hmm. other producers doing the work and Dre got the credit. So it's like, yeah, everybody can't be lying. Like, it must be some some level of truth to it. So, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do think that Daz probably played a hand in making some of these beats. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if it's widely as he is claiming what it is. Let me put it that way. But I do think that we do all recognize now that Dre was definitely taking credit for people doing work. But he was the head honcho. If he didn't want the shit on the record, the shit wasn't happening. It wasn't oh, nothing yeah. like that on Death Row happening. If something wasn't going to go on the record and Dre didn't want it to happen, the shit wasn't going to happen. So yeah. I, I do understand the fact as an executive producer, that is your job. And so, you know, but I, I thought I wanted to put that out there because, you know, I mean, Daz is a hell of a producer. Ain't nobody going to sit there and say that he's not. You know, we know he can get busy on tracks. But pump pump as well as I mentioned, a way to end out that end out that joint man and end out the whole sequence. It really was something just overall to me. I don't really have a lot of low lights, even though G's and Hustlers wasn't my favorite either. Like I said, nothing to really take me to go and say, "Oh, uh, take that joint off the record." I'm not fucking with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the hooks, the beats, um, the concepts of it, even the intro with the bathtub and taking that whole thing to sort of like the scene of young blood priest in the tub with the shorty and everything, like all that, like the whole thing with the Superfly influence, like sort of merging in with the rest of G-Funk with Funkadelic and the 70s and soul is part of what made G-Funk so goddamn good, man, because it brought us back to times where black music and black excellence when it came to entertainment was something that that was at an all-time high in the 70s. So, yeah, it took us back to that time period. But lots of highlights on here. Not really a lot of lowlights. I mean, you could probably cherry-pick some verses, some lines, even a whole song in the case with Jay. But, you know, hey, like I said, the average on this overall for the most part is mostly hits, and you can't argue with that. Notable quotables. So, Jay, your notable quotables from Doggy Style, what you got for us? Actually, yeah, two. I mean, like the first one, I'm pretty sure everybody's heard on Murder Was the Case, but verse number three, like to really tie the storyline home. And of course, like I don't, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't believe we touched on it, but like, you know, what I'm saying the little murder that well, I should say little that Murder Was the Case, and the, the little film that got released on pay per view. Yeah, yes, I really put out the visual with. I mean, it was already a music video, but that really like kicked off as far as like films mm. and all that. But mm-hmm. there ain't no more endo gin and juice. I'm on my way to Chino, rolling on the gray goose, shackled from head to toe. 25 with an Izzel, but nowhere to Gizzo. I know the niggas from the other side recognize my face because the OG D-O-W-G-L-B-C. Mad dog and niggas because I don't care. Red jumpsuit with two braids on my head. Niggas stare as I enter the center. They sent me to a level three yard. That's why I stayed late. Now I hear two brushes scraping on the floor. Niggas getting their shanks just in case the wall pops off because you can't tell what's next. My little homie baby boo took a pencil in his neck and he probably won't make it to C-22. I put that under my mama. I'm going to ride for you, baby boo. Like, very visual. You know what I'm saying? Very visual. Yes. And I, I mean, I I did have to go back and like figure out like what was what was they talking about as far as like, what the gray goose was and mm-hmm. and I didn't know I didn't know the whole thing about like you know what I'm saying what it meant like you hear toothbrushes being scraped on the floor I'm like I ain't yeah. know that's that's how you got your weapons together yeah, shanks shanked it how niggas getting their shanks together in prison man yeah you know what I'm yeah. saying and um <laughs> I guess like a uh, lighter side well funnier side of things I should sing it but um goes ain't no fun the homies can have none but like. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I know you remember how the joint started, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. but so then you hear Nate Dog come out, I'm not, I'm not gonna sing, I'll just say it. Mm-hmm. When I met you last night, baby, mm-hmm. we open up your gap. I'm like, wait, he's talking about her, what? Yeah, okay. let me just keep listening. That's how it was. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I had respect for you, lady, but now I take it all back because you gave me all your pussy and you even licked my balls. <laughs> like, is he really singing this shit? Yes. 
He was like, he was like, leave your number on the cabinet, and I promise, baby, I give you a call next time. Feeling kind of horny, you come on over, and I'll break you all. And if you can't fuck that day, baby, just lay back and open your mouth, because I've never met a girl that I love in the whole wide world. So, <laughs> like I said, I was, I was not singing that drink. So yeah, of course, but, um, I understand. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I think we all sung it like in college. You know, what I'm saying parties like that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. then, then, like, DJ even dropped it out. And he was like, and you even lick my ball? And mm, chicks yeah. are singing along this shit, too. Yeah, I'm like, right, Yes, exactly. <laughs> chicks singing that shit as well. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, damn. Yeah, indeed. So my notable quotable, actually, one of them that I have is going to be the second verse of Gin and Juice. Okay. I just love this shit, especially the way he ends it. But it's like, now that I got me some sequins gin. Everybody got their cups, but they ain't chipped in. Uh, this type of shit happens all the time. You got to get yours before I got to get mine. Everything is fine when you listen in to the D.O.G. I cultivate in music that be captivating thee who listens to the words that I speak as I take me a drink in the middle of the street and get the mac into this bitch named Sadie. Sadie? She used to be my homeboy's lady. Oh, that bitch. 80 degrees. <laughs> I tell bitch, please, raise up off these new tees because you get none of these at ease. Hey, as I mob with the dog pal, feeling the breeze, bitch, I'm just... <laughs> 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 oh god memories memories man goodness just just listening to that joint just that all three verses in here go in but that would to me is one of my favorites especially when he ends that joint with that 80 degrees when i tell the bitch please raise up off the and you you get none of these yes at ease <laughs> like yes i like that's classic snoop right there like that is the I tell people that's the Snoop Dogg shit that I fuck with. That is Snoop Dogg shit that I fuck with right there, dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, great. I mean, now that we didn't mention any of the corrupt verses, man, we talk about the way he got off, of course, obviously, on Ain't No Fun and also on Doggy Dog World and what he did on Serial Killer as well. Mm-hmm. Now, the great thing that I loved about what Doggy Style did, what The Chronic did was set Snoop up to have this big run on Doggy Style. And what Doggy Style did was set up exactly what needed to happen, not even, I would say, a year and a half later with Dog Food and when that came out. Because afterwards, I think we left wanting more from the Dog Pound because we heard what was possible. Like, if we left after the Chronic and be like, damn, I can't wait for Snoop shit to come out. People will mm-hmm. listen to the Doggy Style and be like, damn, I want to hear what the hell what those Dog Pound got to come out with. Look what they got left. And so that would set us up later on. And then 95, Dog Food drops. And so right. that would set us up to be like, damn, we get this Dog Food now after hearing this shit from Snoop's album. So I love the fact that Death Row did shit like that. They would set other artists up on people's previous releases. And then they would set that shit out so that when their shit came out, people are already anticipating it highly. So... That was one of the great things I think they did very, very well during that period. Final verdict. So, Jay, again, spoiler alert for those of y'all who listen. I think you all know which way that we're going to probably go, but I'm going to get it from Jay first, man. Your verdict about Doggy Style. Classic, essential, dope, good, or just okay? Man, essential classic. I mean, that's how I'm rating this train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I only, I only say you do otherwise. I mean, I know I had my opinion about G's and Hustles, but I can overlook it just for the overall classic it is. So Yeah. It's an essential classic. It is. When you're talking about the 90s, influence-wise, it's probably in the top three. If you're talking about overall quality, it's definitely within your top five to top ten. 
of the 90s when you talk about how big doggy style was let's just look at the numbers as i mentioned earlier i talked about anticipation in the first week that doggy style came out it sold 806,000 copies <laughs> again it sold 806,000 copies I think for the longest while, it held the record for the biggest selling hip-hop debut for some time. And I think it also held the first week record for a while until maybe, I want to say, last, maybe tw like in 2008 with maybe the Carter 3, because that sold over a million in the first week. But well, actually, what, um, what about, um, I thought it was like Get Richard Die Trying. Well, Get Richard Die Trying, I want to say, I think sold... Maybe a little bit more than Doggy Style did, or maybe it was right around the same number. I can't remember, but it's right around. They were right around eight hundred thousand, both at eight hundred thousand that first week. The second week, it sold three hundred seventy-eight thousand copies. I don't, I don't think I don't think people understand, man, because like along with that, you know, what I'm saying this is when we still had music stores like Sam Goody the Wiz and all that other all stuff. Of that. So like, so like they, they, they was like it was actually news camera crews out there, like you know, what I'm saying talking to people that was buying these drinks. Like it was it was an event. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So. The third week, 259,000 copies. The fourth week, 297,000 copies. Now, for those of y'all who are doing your math, That's insane. this album is pretty much on the precipice of almost, I would say at this point, 1.5 to 2 million records in about a month, right? By the time we get out of the year, Doggy Style is already two times platinum. And as of November of 2015, it sold 7 million copies and over 11 million worldwide. And you could imagine with the 30th anniversary that the streams and the downloads and the purchases are going to go up even more. This is an album that I'm predicting by the time we get out of this decade will probably be another Diamond album. Um, I'm hmm. sure of it. I'm definitely sure of it. But Thanks. I, might, I, might, I might have been right as far as, far as it beating out Hammer as far as anticipation and everything yeah. like that. I mean, this, is, this was an album that was so big and was something that I don't think we'll see the likes of again. Because I think the game is changing. It's so saturated now. Back right. then, things were so concentrated. You couldn't help but be focused on Snoop and his project that was about to come out. And that's what's different about the game now versus back then. So as we look towards this project and we celebrate his 30 years, we look at the influence, we look at Snoop, we look at his career and what he has transitioned from, from just being a rap star to now being a businessman, being an entertainer, being an actor, and now the owner of the record label, that once employed him. <laughs> so this whole thing has come full circle in the course circle. of about 30 years, right? How he was with Death Row. After Dre left, he releases Dogfather. That flops. Then he leaves the record label, goes to No Limit, goes through a couple of different labels, continues to record music. And as time has now come around, as Death Row was sold, he has an opportunity to purchase it. And now 30 years later, after him starting and launching and creating one of the biggest phenomenons in hip-hop, He's now the owner of the property. I mean, that to me is a story that is worth writing in itself. I mean, <laughs> you can't write a story any better than that. But Snoop Doggy Dogs, Doggy Style, y'all, 30 years old this week. Make sure y'all go check it out. Hit us up in the comments. What are your memories about Doggy Style and your anticipation of it coming out? Did it? Did the hype exceed itself? What were your favorite songs? Hit us up. Let us know what your memories are, all those recollections on social media. Let's continue the conversation and keep it going. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are visiting us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. There you can learn more about the show, check out our past episodes, join our mailing list, leave a review, or if so inclined, you can leave us a voice note. Click the blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner to leave us a voice note to let us know what you think about the show. 
or to just show us some love. To support the show, click the coffee cup shaded in yellow in the bottom left-hand corner to access our Buy Me A Coffee page. On Buy Me A Coffee, you can give a small monetary donation to support the show to ensure that we can keep the vault open for many years to come. You can also visit us on social media at Vault Classic Pod on IG, Twitter, and on TikTok. Also hit us on YouTube and our Facebook page. Like and follow us on social media. Subscribe to the pod and the YouTube channel. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary or ordinary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com.